0: Hey, it's Tandy with Common Ground Alaska. I'm so glad you've decided to join us today. Um, You know, most of our shows are about sustainability or Alaska grown. We're always kind of super Alaska centric. But today we're going to take a little bit of a trek off the beaten path. Um, We cannot grow coffee here, obviously, um, but coffee is a staple for most Alaskans. I don't know very many Alaskans who don't drink, who don't love a good cup of coffee and who don't drink coffee. So um I figure if we can't grow it here then what if we can at least roast it for freshness so um I was able to connect with Zoe from Farm Loop Coffee and let me tell you her coffee is um it's just the best of the best. In my opinion, it's really good. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I do drink her decaf. I don't I'm not a caffeine drinker. So, but I love her decaf. I bought several bags for my family. Everyone loves it. They make great gifts. So, I reached out to Zoe to see if she would be willing to talk about um, the process of not growing coffee in Alaska, but still providing coffee for Alaskans. So, um, and I also think that coffee, um it invites community and um heaven knows we're all about community. So, um, yeah, so I want to introduce you to Zoe. She from Farm Loop Coffee. Um, Zoe, can you start out just telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, hi. Um, my name is Zoe, and I am the owner and roaster, the one employee <laughs> at Farm Loop Coffee. Um, so I'm a small batch specialty coffee roaster in Palmer. And a little bit about me, I grew up in Oregon. Um, I grew up in Oregon and I ended up in Alaska, first in Southeast Alaska with a soil a job in soil science with the U.S. Forest Service. Um, And that was after going to school for soil science in Oregon and Wyoming. Um, But yeah, I ended up in Southeast Alaska and then I ended up moving to Palmer for another soils job. So I was most recently working in soil survey with the NRCS here in Alaska, um, which is pretty interesting too. And I'm sure all of you would be interested in in a little bit of how that works. but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me and where I'm coming from. And I just really like coffee. Very so good. I just decided to just take the leap <laughs> to go to coffee <laughs> from soil.
0: <laughs> so you went from soil scientist to coffee roaster. Seems like a perfectly good bridge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Perfectly logical. <laughs> Very. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. So let's talk about coffee then. So, um, so let's let's talk about that bridge just a tiny little bit so you went from soil scientists to um, small batch coffee bean roaster what is what made you like like one I I feel like they're both kind of sciencey right I mean they're both um, because I'm sure there's a science to roasting coffee Um, so but what made you want to roast coffee rather than I don't know have a farm or do you know use that soil science background
1: yeah. So, okay, I'll describe a little bit of what I most recently did with soils. Um, it was really fieldwork heavy in the summer. Um, we would be out digging holes. So the type of soil science I did um, was more, it's called um, like pedology is the word for it. So it's actually describing soil with depth. So you really are um, digging big holes. Like, The movie holes, those are great-sized holes (laughs) for a soil (laughs) science to go into and describe the soil profile is what we call it. So it's basically like if you envisioned a piece of cake and there's different layers. And there you're describing the layers of the soil. Um, So you can really only do this um, in the summer in Alaska, but really even only a specific like few months of the summer <laughs> or like couple months of the summer so it was really really intense with going outside for field work and I wanted more time in town and to be able to like be home um and then so but the fieldwork part was great I found myself with a lot of office work the rest of the year and that wasn't super great for me I really love talking to people and I like to stay busier um just in different types of work um like that's why I liked field work it was more active um so I decided to just take a leap and start roasting coffee that I've been wanting to for a while um I just really like coffee and I wasn't finding all the time um the coffee that I I liked here so Uh I just decided to start myself
0: That makes sense. So you saw a need and you filled it. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So let's talk a little bit about the coffee roasting
1: process. Yeah. Um, so, okay. There's a coffee plant and I think, okay. I think it's important to talk about how you even get the coffee bean to even roast in the first place because It has a lot to do with the flavor that you're gonna end up with in a roasted coffee product. So, and this is what I try to do. I try to talk about the processes on my website or on the labels a little bit so that people like have an idea of why this coffee even tastes this way. So coffee processing basically refers to um, taking the, so there's a coffee plant and there's a cherry and the coffee bean that you roast is actually the seed. So it's how you get the, the cherry off of the bean and dried. And there's various different like ways to do that. So um, there's one where it's called the natural process, for example, where you keep like the cherries are picked and then they're dried whole in the cherry um, before it's milled off that's called the natural process. Those usually bring out berry flavors. Okay. Um, Yeah, whereas like the um, honey process, part of it, part of the cherry, part of the mucilage around the bean is kept on. And then there's even more processes where they just mill it off right away. Um, The wash process, the wet hold process, that's specific to Sumatra. So if you've ever noticed why you kind of get these earthy flavors from Sumatra beans that you don't really always get from other places. It has to do with the process. Okay. So basically there's like, then all these different processes and then you end up with this bean, a green bean. So before it's roasted um, and I buy it and I I basically just um, have a one kilogram small electric roaster. So um, you basically just add heat and air, and um, throughout the process, the bean loses weight and it gets bigger. And um, through different caramelization reactions, the flavors come out. And then you get roasted coffee and that's what we drink. Okay. Well, that makes perfect
0: sense. So tell me a little bit about the difference between fresh roasted small batch coffee and the mass produced stuff that you get in a can from the grocery store.
1: Yeah. So, well, specialty coffee is, there's kind of a couple definitions out there, I think. Um, So, and why there's a couple, is there, there's like a rating, sorry, if you guys can hear my dogs. It's Alaska. <laughs> <All good. laughs> um, there's a rating. So specialty coffee is supposed to be scored 80 points or higher on a 100 point scale. However, skills can be very arbitrary, um, and stuff like that. So it's also just described as a really high quality, um, bean with not a lot of defects and just, um, has flavor and is dynamic. And there's like a lot of care being put into producing these beans. So that's one difference between buying from a smaller roaster that selects higher quality specialty beans and what you can get, like the mass produced stuff in the store. Right. Um, so that's yeah, number one. And then also the roast level, like um, there's a lot of dark roasted coffee in the store. And I know people like that out, out there, but my argument is that coffee is a lot more flavorful than being um, that really, really dark roast. I think there's some great, like around medium for sure. Um, but when you roast it really far, you don't taste any of that hard work that's been put into farming that bean and like um, having that high quality bean and flavors.
0: That makes perfect sense. So it's very similar to, um, you know, mass produced tomatoes in a jar, um, mm. which we all buy. I mean, I'm not dissing that, you know, the the whatever the cans of tomatoes versus a, a, a jar of homegrown, home canned tomatoes um you you can you can taste there's there's so much more flavor there's um it 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 flavors up what you're making so much more um and i'm assuming it's kind of similar is that right
1: yeah definitely yeah um a lot more flavor there's just a lot more care put in and you're supporting a local business too so i think it's very very similar
0: that's right that's exactly right so where do you get your beans from obviously they're not grown here <laughs>
1: Right. Um. I really keep my options open with all different types of origins. Um. I usually carry five to six at a time. Um, I really like having, um, like the way I think about it in my head is not necessarily limiting myself to origins, but um, limiting or having a spread of coffees that cover um, different like flavors and feelings for people. So I usually have two that are more medium bodied and a little bit milder on the acidity. So they don't have a lot of bright fruity notes. Um, those are my Costa Rica and then one of my Colombias. Um, it's the green label Columbia um, and it's it's more chocolatey. And then the Costa Rica is very smooth and nutty and it has some body. Um, those are really popular. For those people who want to try a lighter roasted coffee but still want to have some body um, but they don't want any crazy fruity flavors in it. And then I have two spots for like the light and bright coffees. Um, So these are roasted the lightest, they usually have light or light to medium body and they have fruity flavors Um, and these can be really interesting. I have some that are like very citrusy and then some that are taste like strawberries and it's just the coffee. And then I kind of reserve, oh, and my last spot is a Sumatra. So I guess I kind of do really like having that origin. I'm not stuck to it, but I think, I mean, probably one of the first coffees I ever drank, like me choosing on my own, like in college to go buy coffee beans for myself. <laughs> was Sumatra because I think you hear a lot about it um, and it is a full-bodied so I have a full-bodied option and it's very earthy and like rich and I think that's really popular for a really good reason so I do like to kind of have those spots Um, but yeah and then so and then so the origins I have are Sumatra, Colombia, Costa Rica, and Kenya right now but I am always looking around.
0: That's really awesome. I were, I think I told you this before, but I, um, uh, when I had my VA business, I worked for one of my clients was a specialty coffee roaster, micro specialty coffee roaster in Hawaii. Um, they they're on the Southern tip of Hawaii. Um, Kau is Kau coffee. Um, Rusty's Hawaiian is the name. And I really enjoyed working with her and what, here's the thing. This was before I knew anything about coffee. So I would just go buy whatever was cheap off the, off the shelf. And I have never been a big coffee drinker. So, um, I just go buy whatever was cheap off the shelf. That's what I'd make for Jean. He'd go off on his way. No, no, nothing, you know, whatever, no thought to it. And then she sent me a bag of coffee, um, just as a gift to try and, um, and talk about a game changer. Holy moly. So it, it was, I mean, I I don't even have a, it's like the difference between water and a milkshake. It was like, what is this amazing thing? It didn't have the bitterness. It didn't. So, I mean, I could drink coffee like that all day long. (laughs) So um, there just is, um, it's just like anything that's, that's made without, without a lot of processing and that's not just mass produced there's so much more care to something that's put in a small batch and when you're sourcing of course they they were growing their own they have a six acre coffee farm and they were just processing and, and doing it all right there on their place um, but still even for you when you're importing it but then you're processing it yourself in the small batch I think it's still just such a different more incredible experience so it's fun to hear where it's coming in from though because to know those those origins of your food so it's not Alaska but It's, you know, there's only, there's only one step there. That's the other thing is knowing, you know, it didn't go, you know, it's not a a bell pepper that went from Mexico to the packer in, you know, California to the distributor in Washington to a ship to make it to Alaska. You know, it didn't have all these jumps. It's going from, you know, Kenya to Zoe (laughs) to you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um Yeah. No, totally. Sorry. Did I interrupt you? No, that's fine. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Um, I really, and you mentioned the Ka'u region. There's one of my favorite coffee farms in Hawaii there too, in that region. It's called Miranda Farms and it's so awesome. So yeah, that's really cool that you found coffee from there too. Yes. Yes.
0: It's, it's, well, and it's fun just to realize I'm sure that it's the same with vegetables, but we don't talk about it. You know, like maybe a carrot grown in Hawaii is going to taste different than a carrot grown in Kenya versus Costa Rica. I have no idea, but coffees are definitely, there's definitely some differences it seems like. And, um, and it's fun to learn the differences in what you like for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, um, another thing I'll add is, uh, I do I do go through coffee traders, but I do select coffee traders who source directly from the farmers. So, um, and that's usually people who value relationships with the farmers um, and stuff like that. But yes, my long-term plan would be to travel to these countries and specifically to the farms um, where I'm getting the coffee from to to then like, me outsource directly from them so it's super hard for a startup roaster to be able to do that because it takes a lot of money um but but that's definitely my long-term plan and definitely I want to bring a shovel <laughs> or a soil corer to also hopefully display and look at um the soils on these coffee farms Because I've seen that a lot in the wine country in Oregon too. There's like a lot of displays of the soil profiles and it's so cool. Um, So I would love, love to kind of do a little research project more or less on how these different soil profiles look from a coffee farm in Kenya to a coffee farm in Costa Rica. Um, But they're still on volcanic soils, but they probably look very different.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, that's I'd never thought about that. But again, as the that's the soil scientist in you, you can't help yourself, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's still fun. Like I still like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. So so you've sourced the coffee. I guess I asked the questions backwards, but you've sourced the coffee. you roasted the coffee. The coffee's done roasting. Now what do you do with it? Do you just bag it? Is there storage that you do? It sounds like you kind of move through your coffee pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Well. And the stage I'm at, I still roast to order a lot. Um, So I really don't hold on to coffee that much. I really like to have it sold within two weeks. Um, But immediately after roasting, I store them in like buckets for at least 24 hours. Um, And that's just because there's a lot of CO2 coming off the beans, and so it just kind of helps rest the coffee beans and also so that like when you bag them um, they don't just like totally like you know when you grab a coffee bag and there's like so it's just like so much air inside there and right. um, that's the co2 coming off the coffee beans so um, but I think what's important to to realize is that um, it's good to get fresh coffee however you can have it too fresh. <laughs> um, uh-huh. and not really because of the flavors. Like the flavors are best um personally, I think after day three. Um, but they get really good after like a week or two weeks. So um so yeah, I just like to personally get the coffee bags in um like with people um within two weeks of roasting, but it they can stay fresh um for a month or two like still with really great flavor um but yeah storage is super important too
0: okay so let's talk about that what does so you said they can last for a month or two um I bought my um I bought my bag of decaf from you before Christmas at the vintage market and yeah, I haven't still finished it all the way but I do still grind it out. like it's not bad right
1: mm-hmm Oh, yeah, no, not at all. And so really, like, I mean, it stays good for you for months. But yeah. the best flavor um, might be and it really depends on the coffee. So um might be like a month or two, if you really want to if you're getting like a light and bright coffee that has pretty complex flavors or like delicate flavors. Mm-hmm. um, It's different than maybe like a darker roasted coffee where you don't have as much and decafs. Um I roast that one to like a medium light, but also decaf is a tough one because because of the decaf process, um you usually get more um chocolatey, like less bright flavors. So that flavor may not like change as much over time, but yeah, storage is super important. So you can freeze coffee and um and you can put them in like the vacuum canisters. I know people have those. Um, but really like you can keep it in the bag with like a bag with a vent, um, for at room temperature, fairly good for a while. Um, the key is like how often you open it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Because, and I won't like, I will admit I, there's so much more for me to learn on this particular topic, but um there is uh like basically the co2 that is released from coffee in the bag um like it's good to have that like uh the coffee rested so that that's coming off and then you have better flavor as you're drinking it but there's also it also kind of protects the coffee in the way in the bag so um so if you like open it and close it a bunch for like a week and or two and then you forget about it and drink it in like eight months um it's not going to like have as much of that protective layer um so so yeah it actually like if you are envisioning that you are like not going to drink this coffee that often you can like freeze it or you can just make sure when you open it you're like really sure about that decision (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Do I really,
0: really want this right now? <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so awesome. Okay, so I I see names like like when I when I was standing at your booth and I was like Colombian, Ethiopia, and all these different names. But I, I'm not um, like I said. I just buy bef- b- prior to working for um, the specialty coffee and then buying from you. Um, I would just get whatever they had at the grocery store. And so, so how does a first time buyer choose what they want? Like, how do they, how do they even know um, you're describing, like, and actually it's a, probably a palette thing because Gene will take it and he'll drink and he'll taste the strawberry or he'll taste the chocolate or whatever. And I, I just taste coffee. So that's probably a, you know, someone who has a more discerning palate can probably taste
1: things better, but yeah, no, that's a great question and that's so like normal too. Like I taste so my partner's name is Keegan um and so we I mean we live together and we drink a lot of coffee. So we end up like <laughs> tasting a lot of the coffees together and talking about it. Um Pam and I I agree like we do taste different things. And this is where I see another parallel to my old job in soils is so when we dig the hole we look at different properties in the um in the different layers of soil and there's color chips that you can match up the color of the soil to but everybody's eyes see color just a little bit differently okay and so i mean quite often like with your field partner you won't agree on the same color you'll get pretty close but um or even like how we describe the structure so like, like, you know, how it looks really granular and round, um, around roots and like untiled, so that's more of a granular structure, but like maybe like one person would describe structure slightly different and size slightly different than the other person. So there's this like ambiguity to it. And I do think that exists with coffee tasting and it's totally okay because you just need to be like, but this is what I taste <laughs> and this is true. okay okay (laughs) yeah and so it's totally okay so like I put tasting notes on my bags to help guide people but it for sure is my opinion truly sure um and so that helps like I put like um maybe there's nutty flavors so I put some nutty description um or there's fruity flavors so I'll put that um So those those can help if somebody were just come up and look at the labels. And then I also um, am transitioning from putting roast level on my bags to body because I just think that's more helpful. Um, So body, like a light body would be a very delicate, um, like it wouldn't take cream very well. Medium bodies would, full bodies for sure. Um, But just like a... Like, how um, robust, I guess, do you want it to, like, feel or taste? That would be body. That's kind of a hard one to describe. Um, But this is, like, why I almost always have samples at all my booths. um, Because, especially for people who have been drinking a lot of dark roasted coffee, or even people who don't like coffee, um, like, they might look and be like, that's a light roasted coffee. I'm not sure about that. Or like, I don't know about those notes, but if they tried it, they would be like, I've I've had so many people who don't like coffee, but they try it um and and from me and they like it because what they've had is really bitter. And you get that bitterness from it being really dark, dark roasted. Or um these people who really like a darker coffee, um needed to try it first to make sure that they'll even like my medium bodied copy. And that's super acceptable because like, it's very different. So yeah.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. That's so true. And that's what I was, I wanted to touch on that because I know you do a lot of shows. And so, um, so people are following you on Facebook, you talk about that, but I think that's a big thing is especially if you're wanting, cause this coffee is definitely, it's pricier than buying, you know, the big can of Costco coffee. So, yeah. um, but it's just, it's, it's like the difference between buying a cheap steak and a good steak, you know, do you want to, you know, gum your way through for hours on this cheap steak, or do you want to just really enjoy a good steak? And it's, you know, it's a good cup of coffee. And, um, but I love the idea of tasting because everyone is so different and what you think you might like could be totally different than what you really would enjoy, especially, again, it goes back to the, you don't know what you don't know. If you've not tried a certain um, um, blend or whatever of coffee or certain roast of coffee, you have no idea if you're going to like it or not based on, you know, you can guess, but um, so yeah, that's, that's super. And I know you have tastings other places too, not just, not just the big shows, but um, so that's, that's super good. So, um, do you sell ground or whole bean or what do you, what do you sell and how do people get coffee?
1: Yeah, I sell 12 ounce bags, whole bean. I will probably transition to ground, um, maybe in a year or two, cause a big industrial grinder um, expensive. And there's some other things I have on the horizon as far as what I'm putting my money into, but, um, But yeah, so definitely I would like to offer ground in the future, but right now it's just whole bean and you can get the bags at 203 Kombucha in Palmer, or you can always order online for pickup on my website at farmloopcoffee.com and you can pick it up at my house in the Farm Loop area of Palmer. Um, Yeah, and I also ship and you can order it there. Um, but yeah, I will be at lots of markets, the upcoming vintage market, the Friday flings in Palmer, um, even more. Yeah. There's some markets at bleeding heart. Oh, I'm going to be at the fair one day. That will be, yeah, that'll be great. Probably really busy. Um, so yeah,
0: those are where you can get it. That's super amazing. So Zoe, I want to talk for a minute about your um, GoFundMe because you you kind of have alluded to the fact that you've got some big things on the horizon. And I know I'm excited because um, I feel like we're kind of walking a parallel path a little bit, like our farm is expanding and it's so crazy exciting, the expanding we're doing, but like this hand says, this is so exciting. And this hand says, this is terrifying. What are we doing? Right. (laughs) We cannot be seriously doing this. So, um, so let's talk about that. Like, I want to hear what's the purpose of the GoFundMe. Um, how can we support you? Let's, let's just kind of dig into that for a second.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, for sure. I've seen a lot of growth in the first year of business with Coffee. I think um, it's been really successful. I've had a lot of fun and I'm having a really hard time keeping up on my small roaster that I talked about earlier. It only roasts two um, 12 ounce bags at a time. So prepping for a market where I sell on average like 40 bags in a day really does take all week while you weave in back into work and everything else that goes into the business. Um, so I'm upgrading to a bigger roaster and I'm jumping to something that's 12 times bigger, um, because I just project that I will need that in the longer term. Um, so I don't want to just jump to one size bigger, but the next so that I'm more prepared for the future. Um, but it is really expensive. (laughs) Um, however, it'll really increase productivity and it will make it sustainable for me like i um what i'm doing right now like this one person doing like roasting all of this coffee and keeping up with the demand is not sustainable for any one human being um and but also it'll just allow me to like say yes to more wholesale um partners and say yes to, I don't know, maybe a really sweet coffee shop will like open up in town and they want to like carry farm loop coffee, or um this is where I can say yes to more of those opportunities. Um Rather, if I just stayed with my roaster, I wouldn't be able to do that.
0: Right. How long, hold on, We we can get back to that for a second, but I want to interrupt you with a question. How long does it take to roast? I'm assuming depending on if it's a light or dark roast, the time changes, but how long does it take? You said you can do 12, two 12 ounce bags in your current roaster. How long does that
1: take? Yeah, like um, anywhere from like 12 to 15 minutes, really. Um, I feel like on average, but there's like in between batch time. So you need to okay. let it, it cools down and then you need to heat it back up because and you need to make sure the, pro, the protocol is like the same because then if you're roasting two or three batches of Kenya in a row, then the curves match up and it has a similar roast. Um, So, so yeah, I, I really, like, I would say in an hour, I can bust out six bags of coffee, but, um, but yeah, it's not like I really have the time to just be roasting every hour of the day. Right. Um, Because I, I have tried that method where you just ignore all the other work that needs to be done in your big business. And it's really not good. So I <laughs> recommend that. Um, but yeah, so I can just like say yes to more opportunities. I'm really excited about it. Um, I really see Farm Loop Coffee continuing to be successful. So I set up a GoFundMe. And why I went with GoFundMe over Kickstarter is because you can keep the funds that people have donated to you, no matter if you meet your goal or not through GoFundMe. Whereas Kickstarter, that's not the case. Um, But I wanted to set up my GoFundMe like Kickstarter has those like prizes that you can get um, for donating a certain amount. So it's all um, explained on the GoFundMe page. but, um, But yeah, basically if you donate certain amounts, then you can get some cool farm loop coffee swag or later in June, um, I'm going to have like a tasting event so you can get entry into that. Um, So, yeah,
0: that's super fun. You know, it's, it's funny. I I I say that I kind of collect milk shares because I love supporting farms. So so like I have a milkshare with three or four different farmers in the valley. And, and so I can go anywhere that I want to go and get milk, basically, because I just find <laughs> these. Cool. And that's kind of how I view a Kickstarter. Like with a milkshare, you're I feel like I'm buying into their farm that I so totally believe in. And with a GoFundMe, it's the same thing. It's yeah, you get a super, it's kind of a fun prize and it's, it is a fun prize and it's, and it's kind of neat to be part of that kind of party, but also it's just really cool to think when we see, when I go into a coffee shop in a year and order a decaf coffee, I can say, I helped make farm loop, get farm loop coffee here. And granted, it was just a little piece of it, but it still feels good because it's a, it's, it's a small business that we're helping. And, you know, I love that, that saying that says, um, when you place an order with a small business, the owner claps their hands or the owner jumps up and cheers or whatever it is for every order that comes through. Um, and I just think that that's, it's so true because as a small business owner myself, I'm like, yes, we did this, you know? And so I think that's really fun. So we'll definitely link to your GoFundMe in the show notes. Um, and so I have two more questions, three more questions for you. Um, and one of them, I did not tell you in advance. So we'll see if we'll see. <laughs> the, my question is, is it possible? So, okay, let me, let me just back up for a tiny second. Um, I know there's a lady who grows tea at, mm-hmm. in, um she literally grows tea in uh, oh. the hot springs um, in one of those thermal tunnel things. Um, oh. So is there coffee? Is there Alaska grown coffee even in the horizon or is that one of those, who knows, it's, (laughs) is there, is there chatter about such things?
1: Uh, No chatter. It's, I mean, if we were to grow it outside, it just would be way too cold. Um, But yeah, I mean, you know, you can grow a lot of stuff in a greenhouse. I will say that even though I am a soil scientist, I'm not that good at growing things. Uh huh. i'm just really good at digging holes and telling you like <laughs> about the soil so <laughs> i don't know like how credible of an answer this is but um but i do know that the like temperature regime up here is very very cold so you wouldn't be able to grow it outside you can probably grow a plant in a greenhouse we have two coffee plants here but they barely ever cherry that's probably also that some issue that we're doing with our house plants, but, um, but yeah, so no Alaskan coffee in the horizon. We would have to grow so many coffee plants to get coffee to roast. Yeah.
0: yeah it, I imagine it would take a while. I figured it was a long shot, but you never know. I mean, people are in it's
1: cool. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, when people it's grow cool. in their greenhouses. It's yeah.
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. I know Josh Smith is super innovative and he's always got some crazy something he's posting on TikTok. you know, that's like, look what I did and he's in Eagle river. And so maybe I will enter, I'm interviewing him here in a little while. And so maybe I'll put the coffee, they'll put the coffee bug in his ear and see what he yeah. says. He's always, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so if you had to drink, this is just kind of a fun question. If you had to drink one variety of coffee for the rest of your life la- or one roast, or I-, I don't know the verbiage very well, one for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: Okay. There's the Kenya I have currently is that coffee. Um, I actually have like even talked about it that way quite a bit on my Instagram, like this, I would bathe in this. It's so good. (laughs) It's just really balanced. It's, um, it's my, it's one where I roast, uh, to the lightest level. However, it doesn't have a delicate body. It's I feel like somewhere in between like a light and a medium. But it's really cool. I get like a blackberry mouthfeel, um, but also this like creamy, like butterscotchiness. Um, it's really smooth. It is just so good. So I do, and that is an origin I really love. Kenya, that origin is like known to just produce some of the highest scoring coffees in the world. Okay. So. All yeah. right.
0: So the Kenya coffee is fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: okay. So my last question, how can we find you?
1: Yeah, so you can find me. So I'm pretty active on Instagram. It's farm loop coffee. Um, my website is farmloopcoffee.com. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I'll be around Palmer quite a bit. So this summer at market, so Friday fling, pretty much every Friday, I will be there. Come see me at the the spring vintage market at the fairgrounds. Um, and yeah, you can grab a sample of coffee Um you can ask me more questions. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: All right. I love it. All right. Um, well, Zoe, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It was fun to, to kind of, you know, kind of break a little bit away from the typical homesteading topics. But, um, but I do think that Alaskans have a passion for coffee so this was this was fun to <laughs> you know that better than okay. I do I'm sure so it was fun to Um, it was fun to get to talk with you I just want to invite everyone to be sure to follow us Um, we're Common Ground Alaska we're on YouTube we're on Instagram um, and we're on Facebook and um, our website is commongroundalaska.com and so um, Zoe thank you very much it was really fun talking to you I feel like I know so much more about coffee now
1: Yeah, it was super fun. Thanks for having me. Of course.